You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Before we get started, just uh, please remember to subscribe on YouTube or on the Big Blue View Radio Network on all of your favorite podcast applications, wherever you're listening to the show. And we're coming to you on Monday, February 7th. As a new week starts in the new era for the New York Giants, a lot going on with your Giants. And here to help me break it all down is good friend Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants and Giants Country over on Sports Illustrated. Patty, how you doing? Doing great, Ed. Always happy to be with you on the podcast and uh, always happy to talk Giants. Been a little bit of time since uh, since you and I uh, did did a show together. Yeah, I don't think we've done one since the season ended, but there's a lot to talk about, a lot of new stuff to talk about, and I'm sure we'll dive into all that stuff, so I'm ready. Patty, we're we're recording on Sunday morning, and as we do this, we don't know yet who the Giants' new defensive coordinator is going to be, but just a, a, a quick aside, I was out yesterday for a little while, you know, during the afternoon, and every time I check my phone, giant stuff is happening. Alerts are happening. Stuff's going on. I'm getting messages from guys that, that write for me. And, and I turned to my wife and I said, can the giants just, you know, leave me alone for an afternoon here. <laughs> I felt the same way. I mean, I was, I, I was going to go grocery shopping. I haven't been in, I don't know how long. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I think I'm going to wait till next weekend to do it. I mean, it it's so. January. Can they just leave us alone for, for a couple hours? Hey, it's exciting times. There's finally changes coming and there's a lot of changes to be, uh, you know, encouraged with. Yeah, it is. It's been a tough decade for the Giants and a very frustrated fan base. But it's an it's an interesting, exciting time for the Giants. Some some things are being done. People are being hired in a different way than than what's gone on. You know, in recent years, a lot of of people being brought in from from outside the Giants. You know, normal sphere of. Uh, of influence or, or sphere of thinking. So want to talk about some of those guys. And at the top of that food chain, Patty is, is of course, new general manager, Joe Shane. He's been on the job for, for what now? Two, two and a half weeks at this point. Um, just your initial thoughts on the giants, new general manager. I, I like him. I mean, we got a chance to meet him at his presser. Um, now, Obviously, words are one thing, actions are another, and you got to see what 
happens? Do they start winning some games? But what I like about Joe Shane are a couple things. Number one, he didn't come in here with that gust of bravado that some guys come in here. He didn't say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to change this. He wants to take it in stages. He wants to get to know the people. He wants to see who works and aligns with what he believes in. And then he's going to change and adapt accordingly. He's also, as I think we've seen early on now, has done a little bit better job of aligning people and their titles with their responsibilities. For example, they just hired, uh, or reportedly hired, it's not official yet by the team as we record this, but they just hired um, Brandon um, Brown from the, from the Eagles as the assistant GM. And I like that hire, and I'll tell you why. No offense to Kevin Abrams, who is going to stay on in a different role. But when I learned that Kevin Abrams was doing the cap work, he was then dabbling in personnel. Look, I mean, I'm all for expanding your horizons. But, you know, I, I use this comparison all the time. I, I study Spanish. I dabble with Spanish. But I would never go and pass myself out uh, off as a as you know bilingual to where I can interpret Spanish and write in Spanish I, I'm not comfortable doing it I know how to but I'm not comfortable doing it so I I always wondered you know we we read or, or I, I think it was uh it might have been ESPN who had the podcast where Kevin Abrams revealed that he had started to pass down some of the daily cap management responsibilities to a couple of staff members and I thought to myself no 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 if, if you're good at something, just stick with it. And and why are you passing it off? I mean, again, um, it's okay to, to expand your horizons, but you got to know what you know and what you don't know. And just because you dabbled in something doesn't make you an expert to where you can maybe pass off the stuff that you do know. So I like that Shane is realigning people. You know, Kevin Abrams, no longer assistant general manager. He Abrams gave up that position. Um and uh, it sounds like he's going to be working more towards fixing a cap that desperately needs to be fixed. It's the old kind of stay in your lane title, mm -hmm. Patty. And, mm -hmm. and I don't even know. I don't have it in front of me. I don't even know what Kevin Abrams' new title is. It's a long-winded, yeah. gobbledygook title that basically it's is, ambiguous. Is, is like, an eight word way of saying salary cap analyst. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's something. probably going to be his main job. I mean, mm -hmm. as it should look, I mean, a lot of people blame Kevin Abrams for the mess that the giants are in. It's no. not all his doing, you know, Dave Gettleman last year came up with a plan in cooperation with Joe judge said, this is what we want to do. We want to sign all these free agents. We want to take a, you know, they, I don't, I'm sure they didn't say take a couple of shortcuts, but they did take shortcuts. And Kevin, I know we don't have a lot of room, but you figure out a way to make it work. And it was just, it was suicide, if you think about it, because they were coming off the pandemic. The cap had been reduced. They had to make cuts to get under the the cap. I think, the, I forget, I think the cap was supposed to be over 200 million. It was like, what, 187 or something like that. So it was just suicide. So to me, I don't blame Abrams for pulling out all the stops to, to make it work for his bosses. And just as I don't, you know, think that uh, Joe Shane has made a mistake in retaining Abrams to fix what is basically a mess. No, Patty, the the thing that people have to understand is Kevin Abrams didn't make the decision to sign Kenny Galladay. Mm -hmm. He didn't make the decision to to pay 
Adoree Jackson way more money than he should have been paid. You know, he was told, this is what we're doing. This is the ballpark that we're going to work in. You know, you make it work. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not Kevin Abrams fault that the New York giants were an embarrassing mess when it came to the salary cap, the last few weeks of the season to the point where they were pinching pennies every possible way and restructuring contracts every possible way and not even filling out roster spots Mm -hmm. to stay under the cap. That's not his fault. No, it's not. He did what he had to do to survive. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, people will say, well, he came up with the methods. There's only so many methods that you can come up with to, to accommodate what your bosses wanted to. So, you know, I, I still think Kevin Abrams is a good salary cap manager. I know a lot of people are going to probably disagree with me, but you know, I study the cap a lot as, as maybe a lot of, you know, and it's, it's fixable. There's been things that Kevin has done in the past that I sit there and I go, God, what a genius. I would have never thought of that, you know? And remember, he comes from the NFL Management Council. So he was there when that whole cap was being developed. That's why Ernie, of course, he hired the guy. So, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I always give people the benefit of the doubt when they're in a new position or a new role. And we'll see what happens. But if the cap is a mess after this year again, then I'm going to say, okay, you know what, Kevin? Maybe you should do something else. <laughs> All right, Patty. And the next person we have to talk about is new head coach, Brian Dable. I was able to, uh, to talk to Dable's old high school coach the other day, got some, some good insight into, into what he was like, you know, when he was younger and, and his whole development curve. Um, we've had the opportunity to, to speak with Brian Dable, you know, at his introductory press conference, just your thoughts on, on Dable, on his personality, on what he's done so far and and what he brings to the Giants. I like the personality. I I I mean right off the bat he was joking around with with the media, you know, he was he was loose. I think though the biggest thing that I really liked about him is that he was authentic. He didn't get up there you know, I, I kept saying to myself as he was speaking at, at his introductory press conference, boy, he doesn't sound rehearsed, you know. Sometimes, like, when I would listen to Joe Judge, it was almost like he was on autopilot, you know. You ever hear those car commercials where at the end they read the boilerplate so fast and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like you can tell it's rehearsed. I didn't sense that with Brian Dable. I sensed a guy who is coming in, who has some core values, who has an idea of what he wants to accomplish, but who is also going to be flexible enough to adapt if maybe plan A doesn't work, maybe we go to plan B or plan C. And just a guy who's also determined to make it work um, regardless of what road they go down. So I, I was I was impressed by that. Um, obviously, we know about the X's and O's, but look, you know, let's see what he does with the Giants because the Giants personnel is not the Buffalo Bills personnel. Just because he had this kind of success or set these kind of – or helped the players set these – these records up in Buffalo doesn't mean that's going to happen down in New York. So there's optimism. I think we can all agree on that. At the end of the day, though, will there be the desired results? That's what's going to determine whether or not the Giants made the right decision. I think they got it right. But, you know, I said that also with Joe Judge. I'm sure I said that with Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Um, but uh, that that's the one major thing I think that stands out is that Brian Dable is kind of rolling along with what comes his way as opposed to trying to take control and control what comes his way, if you know what I mean. 
You know, Patty, you, excuse me, you hit on something there. I mean, we both sat in Ben McAdoo's press conference when he was hired. We sat in Pat Shermer's press conference. We sat in Joe Judge's press conference. And, and I think you can say that aside from Ben McAdoo's ill-fitting suit, I think you can by and large say that all of those guys won the press conference. They all said the right things. They all gave, they all left favorable impressions, but yeah, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. As you said, the results matter. The one thing that I'm optimistic about when it comes to Brian Dable, and I also said this on your show, cause I did an appearance on your show as well. You know, folks, uh, if you, if you haven't heard enough of our voices uh, on this show, go check out Patty's show. Cause you, you'll hear me over there as well. The one thing I'm optimistic about with Brian Dable is the fact that Brian Dable has varied experiences. He's worked for a lot of head coaches. He doesn't come from one tree, one system. And Brian Dable has some failure in his past as well. And, and that, uh, that I think can be important. So just, just your thoughts on, on, on the fact that, that Dable has, a little wider range of experience than, than what we had with Joe Judge. Yeah, I mean, that's a point I, I made in my, my column uh, over on Giants Country, too. You know, you and I have talked about this before, Ed. We talked about with Joe Judge, he only knew one system, really, the, the Saban-Belichick system. Ben McAdoo only really knew one system. That was the McCarthy system. Pat Shermer, I think, had his own system that he kind of stayed married to. But, you know, look, it's okay to have your system and your beliefs, but you have to also be willing to adapt if your system isn't working. And I question how much these other head coaches, these prior head coaches, were willing to adapt. I question whether they knew how to adapt. So, for example, with Joe Judge, you know, it just seemed like his answer when things started turning south was to just, oh, let's keep working at it. If we keep working at it, it'll it'll come together. That was also McAdoo's approach. And sometimes you got to take a step back and say, okay, this just isn't working. What do we need to change to get back on track? Mm-hmm. And you're right. The failures can help you with that. The exposure to different systems can help you with that because now you can call upon different experiences you had. And, you know, you've mentioned before that if you are stuck in one system, Eventually, you collapse into that system if things don't go well, and, and and it's hard to get out of that. And I think, in retrospect, that's what happened with Joe Judge. That That's a good point, Patty. One of the things, Mark Schofield took a look at some of the, uh, the work that Brian Dable did in Buffalo, and one of the things that stuck out to me, you know, we talk a lot about Josh Allen, we talk a lot about Daniel Jones, but one of the things that stuck out to me in the work that Mark did for, for us at Big Blue View was that you can look at what Brian Dable did with Josh Allen. And not only did Josh Allen get better, but over the course of those four years, you can look and see a difference in what Brian Dable was initially asking Josh Allen to do, the type of throws he was initially asking him to make and you see a progression over the years, you see a change 
in what he was asking Josh Allen to do. And that's the kind of thing you're talking about, about not being married to a system and the fact that, that his background is so varied. That makes me, you know, that's part of why I think I'm optimistic because he's not married to, we're going to run 11 personnel and we're going to throw a slant every third play. And, and, and that's how we're going to run our offense. And if it doesn't work, we're just going to practice those slants harder. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about that if, if you know you have the talent that can fit. But sometimes you just got to say, you know, it, it comes down to forcing a square peg into a round hole. Well, maybe you can't run those slants every play because you don't have guys who can do it. So maybe now you've got to run, you know, different types of patterns, you know. So that's what I came away with listening to, to Brian Dable is, is that, you know, and I'll point out, you know, he, he mentioned that he gave Daniel Jones a homework assignment. He said, I told Daniel, you know, next couple of weeks or whatever, give me a, a few things that you like to do going back to your time at Duke, going back to your earlier days with the Giants. Tell me what you like. I think that's a great way to start because, you know, you could ask a quarterback to, to do A, B, C, and D. Well, maybe the quarterback's only good at doing A. And the rest of it, he 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 struggles with. And it's interesting because um, I, I, this is kind of unrelated, but Riley Dixon falls into that category where Riley Dixon was asked to do certain types of, of punting that he just wasn't good at. So, but I'm getting off track here a little bit, but just getting back to Daniel, you know, give him what he's good at and what he's not good at, you know, yeah, you can practice that off onto the side, but don't ask him to do that in a game until you are sure he can execute at the level you need him to. And I think that's where maybe the Giants in the past have made some mistakes with some of their players. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So let's let's talk more about Daniel Jones, Patty. I mean, this is John Merrow was absolutely candid in the fact in saying that the Giants have screwed this kid up. I mean, amazingly candid for an owner, to be honest with you. I mean, what are we on on his third head coach? I don't know how many offensive coordinators, how many offensive line coaches, all the personnel that he's been through. you know, I don't know. I don't know how many quarterbacks could have been completely successful in uh, in those circumstances. There are some guys who can rise above all of that and pull everybody along with them, but but not a lot. Um, 
your thoughts on Daniel Jones with with Brian Dayball with uh, with Mike Kafka coming in as offensive coordinator? Your thoughts on on whether you think Jones in a real sort of one year tryout with this you know with with this new coaching staff? I mean, do do you think that that he can prove to them that that he can be their guy going forward? I think if he stays healthy, which is a big if, because right now he's missed time, you know, every season he's been in. Um, yes, I do think so. You know, I I always com- make this comparison. Some people will probably say this isn't a right comparison, but when the Giants were getting ready to draft uh, their franchise quarterback to succeed Eli Manning, I, I kind of compare it to bringing home a newborn baby. You want to have everything in place for that newborn baby before you bring him home or her home from the hospital. You want to have their crib, your changing table, your diapers, everything. When you draft a quarterback, you want to have a solid system in place. You want to have your offensive line in place. You want to have your skill position players in place. You don't want to have strife. You don't want to have constant turnover. Because if you do that, yes, you are going to screw that kid up. And he's not going to be affected. No matter how talented he might be, he's not going to succeed. Now, I give Daniel a lot of credit. Daniel does work at it. He wants to be successful. He doesn't make excuses. He could sit there and say, well, you know, my offensive line sucks. Or, I have, you know, I've got a different play caller, it seems, every week or whatever. He doesn't do all that. And I give him credit for that. That said, now, you know, he's got a guy, Brian Dable, who has had success with Josh Allen. Now, nobody's going to compare Daniel Jones to Josh Allen and say that he's the second coming of Josh Allen because they're different people. He's got Mike Kafka coming in as his quarterback coach. Kafka, a former NFL quarterback, and I still say there's something to be said about having a guy who played your position now as your coach. Even though Kafka, I think, was primarily a backup he still was able to benefit and learn and see things. And of course, you know, coming from Andy Reid's coaching tree, which is probably one of the best coaching trees in the game today, uh, definitely a plus. So I do think if everything falls into place, if Daniel could stay healthy, that he could finally put to rest some of the questions people have about whether or not he is suitable to be this, this franchise's long-term answer at quarterback. And if he's not, well, guess what? The Giants will probably stink anyway. We'll probably be right back where we are now with a, with a high draft pick come 2023. So. Yeah, I will, we'll have to see. I, I hope it works out for Daniel Jones because I like the kid, you know, I think the kid has, the kid's done everything right. He's done everything right. He's done everything he's been asked to do. He works at it. He shows up. He's he's always in the building. He he represents the franchise very well. I hope it works for him. Um, if it doesn't, like you said, if it doesn't, the Giants are back in the quarterback market in a year. Yeah. All right, Patty. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Patrick Graham. Let's talk about what happened with Graham. You know, leaving for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that uh, we talked about this a little bit on your show as well. Um, I think that we all took for granted that Patrick Graham was coming back. And, uh, but uh, 
but I, I in the end I can't blame him for leaving and and it's just going to be interesting as we record this we don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be it'll be interesting to to see how that turns out just your thoughts on that whole situation with Graham and the defensive coordinator spot yeah you know I'll be honest with you initially I thought after he didn't get the Vikings job I thought okay the Giants got their DC and I was thrilled because I figured you know year three in the same system that's one less thing Brian Dable has to worry about in retrospect you know and, and I had somebody mention this to me on my Twitter account somebody said oh you know so much for this being you know the Giants being um, Patrick Graham's dream job you know he goes and he takes the, the job with the Raiders well in retrospect the dream kind of ended if you will you know he was working with joe judge his best you know one of his best friends obviously from their time together in new england um joe got fired all right so now you you got a guy in here who to whom i don't think you know graham had as strong of a connection with um graham himself interviewed for the giants head coaching job didn't even get a second interview from what i understand so you know that was probably a tough pill to swallow. And then you had the, you know, Brian Flores, and I don't want to go into the whole lawsuit thing here, but Brian Flores suing the, the, the team about their hiring practices. It just seemed like everything started to add up so that when Josh McDaniels, with whom Graham was also on staff with at, at, at Belichick's Patriots, when he got the head job over at, uh, at the Raiders, you know, it, it just seemed like a natural move for Patrick Graham to go from, you know, the Giants to the Raiders where with a guy he was familiar with. So, you know, am I sorry to see Patrick go? Yes. I, I, I love Patrick Graham. I think he was a, you know, brilliant guy. Um, you know, yes, the defense didn't stack up the way it did the, the pre previous year, but then again, they had some injury issues there, but, uh, and of course they had the bad offense, which dragged them down. But, um, so yeah, so now they have to start all over. And they have a, a, a wide net that they've cast for defensive coordinators, all kinds of different shapes and sizes, if you will, in terms of philosophies. And it's going to be interesting to see what Brian Dable uh, decides to go with. Patty, talking about that search for a new defensive coordinator, and for all we know, by the time this show airs on Monday morning, for all we know, that decision's going to be made. The one common denominator among all of those candidates is that they have all been defensive coordinators before they've all called plays before uh, Sean Desai, formerly with the bears, Jim Schwartz, Terrell Austin, Wink Martindale. We've heard some talk about the possibility of reaching out to Vic Fangio. So the, the common denominator is experience. What I want to ask you is, looking at the list of guys that they've talked to and that they may continue to talk to, who would you bang the table for Patty out of that group? Mm -hmm. Is there one guy that you would bang the table for and say, he's the one that I would really like to see come here to New York. Mm. I don't know if I have one guy, but I'll give you a couple Jim Schwartz would definitely be one. Um, I've always liked the work that Jim Schwartz has done as a defensive coordinator. When he was with the Eagles, I mean, he, that unit was, you know, and I did some research in it. I have the, I have an article on Giants Country, um, some some background in that. He, he had that unit humming. Um, Martindale intrigues me. He's, he's a very aggressive defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know, though, 
if his style of defense, if the Giants have everything they need to run it. Now, they can always add, obviously, but I believe Martindale likes to blitz a lot. I, I, I read a stat where he was one of the, his defenses in Baltimore were one of the highest to, to, to blitz. They had one of the highest blitz rates. Um, and if you don't have good corners, which, you know, again, going back to the cap work I did on Giants country, I, I wonder if the Giants aren't going to trim, you know, uh, James Bradbury from the mix. But again, you could always add, I suppose. So, but still, Martindale intrigues me. Sean Desai, um, young, probably innovative, but I, I just, the experience in calling plays, I'm, I, I, I wonder about that because again, I, I go back to, you know, Dable, his top priority has got to be fixing that offense. And, you know, I think in an ideal scenario, he would just as soon say to his defensive coordinator, keep me advised of what you're doing, but you figure out what you want to run, you know, based on some parameters that Dable will obviously give him, but you figure out how to get it done. And you tell me what kind of players you will need for your defense, and I'll relay that to Joe Shane. So that's that's what I think. I think the more experienced guys, you know, the Schwartzes, the Terrell Austins, you know, the, the Wink Martindales, you know, those are the guys that I would keep an eye on. But I, I'm intrigued by Schwartz for sure, by Martindale. And Austin, is, you know, I, the thing with Austin is he's been in Pittsburgh and there was a there was a report that um, that he might replace Kevin Butler, who retired. But if I'm not mistaken, and I and I reached out to to a colleague of mine who covers the Steelers, I think Mike Tomlin still pretty much calls the plays and is very heavily involved in the defense there. So, you know, that's not to say that Austin can't be a good DC. He was, you know, with Detroit and he kind of ran his own show there. But, but Martindale and and uh, and and Schwartz are the two that I would probably have to decide which one of those I would bang the table for. All right, Patty, I want to close with talking about one more player. And I know you did a ton of, of work at Giants Country in figuring out the salary cap and how the Giants can, can get underneath it and, and get themselves some space to operate. And we all know, because we've seen it before, that, that there are going to be changes with the New York Giants. There are going to be moves some players that that fans have become very attached to are probably not going to be giants if not by the beginning of the 2022 season probably by the beginning of 2023 and i have found it very interesting that one of the players who has barely been spoken about since joe shane and brian dayball came on board we have barely heard the name Saquon Barkley. We've barely heard Saquon talked about at all. And I think you and I at the Dayball press conference might have talked about this a little bit. My belief at this point with the Giants starting over again and John Mara and everyone admitting that this is going to be a process. They're not going to be where they want to be in 2022. My belief is that Saquon Barkley is not going to be a giant long-term and that his best value to this franchise right now could be as a trade chip, could be as a guy, go out, get a couple of mid-round picks and replenish this roster, rebuild this roster, 
and not have that do we pay Saquon big money decision looming over the new regime. Um, just your thoughts on 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 what you think is going to happen with Saquon Barkley and, and what you think should happen. Yeah, you know, listen, I like Saquon Barkley. I think he's a wonderful talent. He's a great young man. I have nothing personal against him. Um, at the time when he was drafted, I understood why they were drafting him. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I, I saw the logic. You know, they were trying to help out an aging Eli Manning. I thought it was a, a short-term approach. Now, that said, you know, Barkley is in the fifth year, uh, his option year this year. Daniel Jones is in his fourth season. So let's say for argument's sake, they both play out 2022. All right. After this year, now you've got to decide, okay, do we pay the quarterback the big bucks or do we pay Barkley the big bucks? And oh, by the way, after this year, you have to make a decision, I believe, on Andrew Thomas's option year. All right. And you also have contracts that are ballooning each year with, you know, like Leonard Williams's contract keeps going up. You know, you've got other guys who, who, the number is going up. Now, the cap will go up because you're going to get some of the, the TV revenue uh, windfall is going to start in 2023. But the point being is, is Barkley, you know, to me right now is a luxury. I'm not so sure the Giants can afford. You know, you look at the production. He and Devonta Booker finished with the same rushing yardage. Now, I know people are going to say, well, Barkley was coming off of the ACL. Yeah, I get it. I also get it that he had this, the sprained ankle, which is another reason, by the way, I don't think I would invest big big money in Barkley because he's had a few too many lower body injuries for my liking. So, you know, if I could get Barkley back at a reasonable amount, maybe I consider it. Would I break the bank open for him knowing that I've got Jones that I have to take care of as well, assuming that Jones works out? Uh, knowing that I'm going to have Andrew Thomas eventually to take care of. No, I, I don't think he can. I think that would be cap suicide. Yeah. And, and what it comes back to Patty is that I think we see over and over and over in the NFL that, that you can build a successful running game without a true superstar running back. You just don't have to, pay big money or use the absolute, you know, premium resources to get that done. What you have to do is build a good scheme and have a good offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, look, how many NFL teams today have the bell cow running back? I don't think a lot of them. You have a good one-two punch and you know, especially with the Giants, can Barkley be the bell cow? Yes. But think about it this way, Ed. I mean, there's what 60 to 70 offensive plays run per game if you're lucky all right if you if your offense is humming how many times can you realistically have that running back touch the ball you you know especially you've invested in receivers they're going to probably invest in new tight ends you you can't fall and this is a mistake i think they made with odell beckham jr they wanted to put the ball in odell's hands every chance they got well guess what when everybody knows the ball's going to one guy guess what you're going to be able to defend him and it's going to be too easy so you have to be able to spread the ball around and i think you know i'm not saying you, you shouldn't over you, you shouldn't reward guys who perform well 
uh, with big money, but you also have to, to look at the grand scheme of things and, and, and say, okay, what percentage of touches do I anticipate Barkley's going to get in my offense? What percentage do I anticipate Kadarius Tony's going to get in my offense or a tight end's going to get in my offense? And you have to kind of adjust from there. Right. It comes down to allocating the money that you have to the right places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And right now they need to allocate to that offensive line because if they don't fix it, then you know what? You, you give Barkley a big contract right now for, for argument's sake which they won't because they don't have the cap space. If you don't fix that offensive line, guess what? You might as well just throw the money out the window. Oh, Patty, I wish we, we were all rich enough to just throw money out the window. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe maybe I'll stand underneath somebody's, you know, a rich person's window. and Well, and if they do that, Ed, some. make sure you line up outside of the GM's office. I know where his office is, so I, I can point you in the right direction if they're going to throw money out the window. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll uh, have the exclusive if, scoop if, on, on, on if, catching if, all that cash. Yeah, if, if they're going to throw money out the window, then they're going to get thrown out of the building is what's going to happen, Patty. <laughs> yeah, they'll be right after the dollars to be thrown. All right. Well, Patty, it certainly is an interesting New York Giants offseason. Appreciate you coming on, folks. You can check out Patty's work at Locked on Giants at Giants Country. You can follow Patty at Patricia underscore Traina on Twitter. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.